You're listening to You Should Read This, a comic book and graphic novel review and discussion podcast. My name is Ryan. And I'm Alan. Hey, here, here we are. We did we're, it. We're back. We're doing it again. It's, uh, you're still listening to us for some reason, so thanks. Good welcome, on you. Welcome back to our, our spooky house of comic pain. It, is it? Is, it's, I, I Com- don't, I'm I assuming guess, so, because... Sure. <laughs> We're the most decisive hosts of a podcast ever. <laughs> we can't even. Well, especially when we're determining like the exact name of our spooky house. Um, our spooky house is called uh, Creepy Super Monster Spooktacular House. Was this translated from another language? It can be. Let's find the let's like find the was. kanji for it, and then we'll put that on a T-shirt. I feel like it definitely should have the word "graphic" in it because, you know, sure. Thematic reasons for thematic Super. reasons. Um, <laughs> Let's. Why don't you say spooky? Wait. I guess it would be spooky. Yeah, spooky or something. Someone along those lines. Perfect. Yeah, that's that sounds like English. <laughs> well. Oh no, you were doing the not English. I see. Yeah, I yeah. see where we got. I I figured it out. I get it now. All right. Uh, I know. So, hey, I know the reference you were making. We're back, so we're gonna read a. We read another comic, probably. Us. Yes. Comics. Weird. That's the whole deal. Um, what did we read this time? Uh, you know what? Actually, this time we read, uh, we read a a book that's been out for a few years, um, but it is thematically appropriate and also appropriate for other reasons. Uh, we read uh, Raina Telgemeier's Ghosts. Ghosts. Um, she was on my feed recently. Even I mean, this this uh book is from 2016, but I feel like recently she just hit uh the bestseller list again. Yeah, she had a she had a new book come out, uh, called Guts, which is sort of the third of the. Uh, Smile series, which are like actual memoirs about her actual life as a kid. Right. Uh, and so the third one, which my daughter got day of and read, I may have been involved with her getting it. <laughs> um, but it's it's just sort of like dealing with anxiety in middle school. Um, something that both of us know something Nobody about. Nobody has anxiety in middle school. Yeah. Middle school's easy. But um, but yeah. <laughs> so it was. But right, like right as it came out, New York Times, who had stopped tracking the sales of graphic novels and trade comic books for some reason seems decided weird. to start tracking it again and that week the week that the book came out it sold more than every other book <laughs> like it was number one and there was a new stephen king book out that week and it was above the stephen king book that's insane yeah so uh and then the just two weeks later there was new york comic-con Right. And they had a they had a, a presentation by Comics Pro, which are sort of like the this group that looks at the entire comics industry and stuff. And they put up this graph, and I put it on our on the you should read this Twitter, uh, showing like market size in terms of books sold, mm-hmm. I remember uh, based on yeah. like genre. And the biggest chunk is young adult graphic novels, and the second biggest chunk is manga. <laughs> and then and then like superheroes is this tiny baby sliver of what's left which is crazy considering like the movies market for like yeah superheroes. and i mean like i feel like comics now are like that like superhero and sci-fi comics are like fodder for being turned into tv shows mm-hmm. the stuff that people are actually reading is stuff is manga like we talk about a lot mm-hmm. and stuff like Raina telgemeier I mean, that's what my kids are taking home from the library. Yeah, I I wonder if that's just because, like, to me, manga has always been a little bit more accessible. Like, it's it's a little bit more. There's not like sixty years worth of backstory to follow. You know what I mean? Like, every new series is its own series, and with the exception of One Piece, you can generally find all of the volumes. I don't know. There are a lot of manga that have been running for a really long time, like JoJo's. All right, we did we did read JoJo one time. Um, gosh, JoJo is its own thing, though. That's like you don't get into JoJo without expecting that. In the same way that it's not like you just met somebody that casually read Homestuck at one point. Yeah, that's true. JoJo's is one of those. Oh gosh, Homestuck! I can't believe you pulled Homestuck out. Well, you know, uh, you know, it's funny talking about like continuity. We're way off topic, and we've been doing this podcast for like three minutes. Well, you know, um, but I saw a really good tweet from Cy Spurrier today. Uh, who's a writer that we obviously are big fans of. I did geek uh, out to him really one time, time at Comic-Con. You did. It was pretty hardcore. Yeah, it was not good. Anyway, uh, continue. But he said something along the lines of, uh, if you like... Pina coladas. Continuity, if you're, or if you're joining a um, 
if you want to start reading a new book and there's, you know, hundreds or, you know, hundreds of issues or dozens of years of backstory, he said, consider that stuff, uh, like handy, but not necessary. Cause he's, mm-hmm. he's just starting to write the new Hellblazer. Let me see if I can find it. Exactly. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So he's, he's writing Hellblazer and, and somebody had tweeted at him and said, basically like, Hey, I haven't read all of Hellblazer. Uh, like, are, like, are we good? <laughs> and, um, what did he say? This is, uh, here you go. When used right, continuity is a reward for the veteran, not a hurdle for the rookie. Hmm. And, and I was like, that's, uh, that's like pro level comic stuff right there. Um, I mean, that's not, so, I think that, um, I think that, uh, you don't really, I mean, it, comics, my sister has the same problem. She's like, I want to read because from the movies, she wants to get into um, Captain America and Hawkeye. And uh, she's like, well, I don't know what to read. I'm like, here's three things you can read. She's like, yeah, but all the backstory. I'm like, just don't even worry about it. Just pick a run and, and just read it and love it. And if you don't love it, the next one will be different. And then read that one. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of funny, though, because like, though we're saying this, the the insertion point for a lot of people into marvel stuff now is the mcu and at this point we're like 15 movies into the mcu and people sit down watch endgame without watching any of the other ones everybody in the world is like no no no, you've got to watch these at least these six movies before you even think about walking into the theater yeah nobody nobody has a problem with that but but at the same time like it's it's similarly hostile it's not wrong you know like it, it it kind of sucks. Like, yes, the movie made so many billion dollars, so obviously it's not a problem. Um, but it 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 does kind of suck for people who are just getting into it. It's it's I really like things that you can just walk into, mm-hmm. and and that's and so that's one of the things that I think that there is an appeal to just sort of standalone graphic novels. Yeah. No, I mean i I always prefer it when, especially on this show, because we when we when we conceived this show, we really wanted something that had a little more like meat on the bones. Right. And and that's what I think I really like about comics is getting like a nice full story. Even if we're just reading the first trade, like the concept of having a little bit of, you know, closure there is nice. Yeah. I, I really like things that end. I think that like I know you like anime and I definitely have a certain place in my heart for anime. And one of the things I really liked about anime when I started getting into it was like, oh, this stuff ends. Yeah. Like you watch Cowboy Bebop and you know, whether or not the ending is satisfying, it does end. Yeah. It's not like you're constantly like, oh, is they, did they get renewed for another season? Is there going to be a, you know, a, a sequel series? It's like, no, nah, they, they're done. Maybe There's in a the movie. old days that, that didn't happen as much. These days it happens a lot. Sure. I, that's fair. But I mean, that, that, but I, I, there is just, I'm just, I don't know, man. There's something to be said for a single story that has a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And then it's over. It's the same with movies. Like, not every movie needs to be a sequel. I do like having a movie that's like, oh, well, that was good. And, right. and that's it. We're good now. Speaking of beginning and middle end, uh, this book that we read for the show uh, has a, definitely has a beginning, middle, and end. Um, so, uh, Raina tells you, my, I, I, we read on the old show at least once when we read Smile. Um, and uh, so I had a hard time, like, when we started reading this. Uh, I didn't realize that it wasn't an autobio in this one. Uh, I didn't realize they were just other characters. This one is a fiction standalone book of hers. It's a, you could call it a ghost story. It's a little ghosty. It's also a, a lot of Coco. <laughs> it's called Ghost. Yeah, I mean, it predates Coco, to oh, be fair. Oh, obviously, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, both of them are based on the, the Mexican celebration of the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos, which is something that this book deals with heavily. Yeah. Um, let's do real quick before we get further into it. Let's do elevator pitches. Sure. Let's, let's do elevator pitches. Um, you got one? Yeah. Um, all right. This one is, okay. So my elevator pitch is, um, two girls, uh, move with their parents to NorCal. Uh, that's Northern California. Um, and (laughs) it turns out it's very foggy there. Um, and that means that ghosts, uh, actually operate and, while dealing with some family stuff, uh, they have to sort of navigate this uh, Dia de los Muertos that the town celebrates where ghosts actually show up. Um, and it's sort of 
it's sort of like a slice i don't want to say slice of life it's sort of like a child adventure meets um a very watered down uh isolate giants or i kill giants okay okay yeah i could see that uh i think my pitch is different okay um it's (laughs) it's a it's like a you know kid take you know fish out of water moving to a new place story about a girl who um is sort of dealing with her sister's chronic illness and um and sort of has to grow up and learn how to deal with that and is aided by the fact that she's moved to a place where ghosts are real. Mm. Interesting. So I think we both focused a lot on uh, the ghost being real because that is obviously a thing that happens. Um, but it happens a lot later in the book than I thought it would. It happens in like the second act. Yeah, well, and and so I think like stepping back a little bit one of the things that makes it that made it hard for me when I first encountered the ghost in this book is like this is a Raina Telgemeier book, and she's most well known for writing two things or for you know cartooning for creating two books, and one of them is Smile, which is her story about losing her front teeth once she was in elementary school, and then the other thing that she's really famous for is her adaptations of Babysitters Club books into comics i didn't even know she did that those uh there was previews of that in the back of this book and i'm like oh shoot that's really cool actually she'd be a very good person to bring that back yeah so and and they're like based on babysitter's club stories when uh but but like both of those are heavily grounded in real life and they're they're definitely very um like not fantasy whereas this book is much more like magic realism like there's a lot more like there's a lot of like this book's heavily real and and feels like you know very actual but but it it does have this sort of supernatural fantasy element that hasn't really been present in any of her other work and so that was a surprise for me cuz I was like hang on a second like this isn't we're not dealing with like dental drama or like there's a fantastic part in I think the sequel to um smile and sisters where like they had a snake and then they lost the snake in a van and then they don't see the, the snake for like six months and the van is stuck in the desert and they're waiting for their mom to come back with a can of gas and the snake like crawls out from under the... Wait, that was, that was from, from Autobot? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I remember we were, my daughter and I went to a panel of hers at WonderCon uh, the year this book was announced. Uh, so in 2016 and she, somebody asked her about it and she's like, oh yeah, that totally happened. Jeez, she's like, here's, here's a picture of the snake. That's awesome. Uh, but but this, obviously, this is not that. This is a book that is grounded in fantasy. It definitely, grounded in fantasy is a funny phrase. I don't know. Yeah, that's um, kind of a weird way to say it, but. I get it. it it's um, not, it's I think, not the standard world. Yeah, I think that grounded in fantasy is a good way to put it. I also think that, like, um, I don't know how to put this, like, it's a little, I didn't I didn't love the way that it sort of just jumped into that like the rest of the town is in on it but you only get the viewpoint of the main girl who doesn't really talk to the rest of the town like you have the neighbors and then you have like her friends from school um but when we do finally get to the part with the ghosts and like the whole town is just partying with these ghosts I'm like why isn't the town just shut down for this like why didn't why why have none of her parents friends told them about this <laughs> Or said that they should go to this. Like, this is strictly like... Yeah, like, why haven't the adults talked about this at all? Yeah, because there are clearly adults there. This isn't, like a, this isn't like a teddy bear picnic situation where it's children only. Yeah, and I think it makes it more real. But yeah, you're right. There's definitely a, like... Well, like, do you... Like, can you Instagram ghosts? Like, how is the world... Like... There, there's like this this larger world aspect of it that it doesn't really deal with. Yeah, but comics is, uh, you know, don't ask, and you'll it won't ever matter. So, like, you don't you don't have to explain anything you don't want to. It's its own little world. It's a world that doesn't have in and out. It has double back, double back, which I think is uh, brilliant, but also still makes me want to go to In and Out. <laughs> Everything makes me want to go to In and Out. I freaking love that place. Oh, I haven't uh, been there in a while. I had Wendy's really? the other day. It was fine. In and out or nothing. All right. Well, I grew up in a place that did not have an in and out. I didn't have an in and out at the first time until I was in high school. You had Whataburger, though. I did. I had Whataburger. And they, they sell a milkshake that's basically ice cream in a 32 ounce cup. I want it. Um, but 
it's not as the burgers are big, but the double double is unimpeachable. Let's do uh, <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk about um the I guess the 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 story overall, like in the sense that when they move to um this half moon bay, I don't know what to call it analogy. Yeah, it's, it's Crescent Bay or whatever is what they call it, yeah. um, which is also a real place. Because uh, the main character, uh, Kat, or Katrina, um, has a little sister with what's it, it's cystic fibrosis, right? Um, that's rough, dude. That's like, that's an interesting, but also kind of harsh. I, it, it didn't, she didn't go with cancer, first of all, you know, for her. Which would have been like the generic, like, oh, my sister is sick. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate that there that she's like, well, if she's just gonna be sick, let's give her like, let's give it specific, right? And and the specifics are like, look, this is really bad, especially for a kid to have. But there's no radiation involved. There's like this other stuff, and it's just as bad. But also, you know, maybe she can try to be a kid a little bit, and then you know, it, it definitely deals with that. But it also deals with there's this one panel, and I forget exactly what page it's on. But it's like the last panel on the page where like the little sister um, is, is talking about how like, man, death is real. And like, that was a very poignant and startling thing for that character to say. And I actually paused at the edge of that page. I'm like, oh, is that where we're going with this? Like, I thought for sure this might just be like a character trait. But no, this is this is going to be a theme for probably the rest of the book. And it was. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I, I like... Uh, I mean, if we're going to look at this from like a literature standpoint, like, yeah, the death is definitely a huge theme in this. But also, I think there's a theme of like just sort of accepting. I don't know, just maybe just accepting, like accepting your circumstances and living with what you have. I think that sort of ties into like having a chronic degenerative illness that I mean, the, the idea of death just in general from a philosophical standpoint. Uh, but also like, well, we, we moved away from Southern California, so this is my life now. And I, you know, and I mean, I, that's, that's a big part of the book is her sort of accepting her life circumstances instead of pushing and fighting against them, but finding, you know, how to not just live with it, but like how to enjoy it, how to celebrate it. I think that like for a kid moving is probably the most extensive sort of range of uh i don't want to say difficult emotions but like it's difficult really really difficult for kids to move like for adults it's sort of like oh i'm just gonna go work at a new job and i'll still come home to the same family and that's kind of the only thing that's different um because you know when you have kids and it's hard enough to go out and do stuff anyway so it's not like you see your friends every day at school kind of situation and so it's just it's a good plot point to use but it also has uh it also sets up for a lot of um you know uh, growth and character development for a child character yeah it's a it's a good way it's a good sort of shorthand way to get a character off balance and give you the reader a good place to like get started with this character i feel like everybody as a kid has moved at least once yeah i mean i moved like a bunch when I was real little and then I moved like at the end of eighth grade, I moved from Texas to Colorado. And then at the end of sophomore year of high school, I moved from Colorado to California. That's crazy. So that was pretty significant. And I mean, like even as adults moving can be traumatic because like though people are generally decent with keeping in touch with each other via text message and social media and stuff. Right. Not everybody is. Yeah, that makes sense. And you have to and you have to really like make an effort to keep that up or else at some point you'd be like, Oh man, I haven't even talked to that guy in like a year. Yeah, but at the same time, like if you ever like waited a year and then got in touch with that person, assuming they're not like a total pinhead, then you go, Oh man, I'm so sorry I haven't like gotten in touch with you. He'd be like, Yeah, that's fine. Like life happens, I'm an adult too. Like I understand. Like it's not that big a deal. That's fair. But like when you're a kid, like your friends are the only thing outside of your house that you have that's yours. That's really true. So, like, when you lose that connection, it's sort of like losing a part of yourself. So it's really alienating. Yeah, which is what she talks about in the beginning of the book. She's like, I want my sister to be happy and healthy, but I can't help but feel like, you know, I'm losing things that are mine. And that's and she's like, I want to be good and, and, and uh, 
you know, supportive, but man, it's really hard, which is, uh, which is good. But I mean, they honestly kind of, she kind of glosses over that when, uh, when she meets that girl in the bathroom <laughs> and then like, Oh, what color lipstick is that? It's like, Oh, it's this color. And then boom, she has friends again. Yeah. But I almost feel like it's kind of on purpose that she just kind of like just needed like connection. Yeah. True. You know, like, you know what? I don't want to deal with all this stuff right now. I just want some friends that I can hang out with. Right. And they can slowly find out about my backstory. They don't need the whole backstory dump right now. I, I definitely think that this book sets up a lot in the first act and sort of does some in the second act. And the third act is more of like a bow on top because it seems like a lot of the stuff, um, it, it, it kind of seems like in the third act, the problems you would expect to get resolved are the tension in, in the relationship between Kat and her sister, Maya. And that gets resolved pretty quickly because, you know, Maya's a good girl. Um, so even though she's younger, she's also smarter because she doesn't have all the, you know, preteen hormones going on. And uh, I mean, that said, like, if you've met kids who have, like, chronic illnesses, like, they tend to have, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to make broad sweeping generalizations, but, um, like, kids who've been through some stuff, sometimes you know sometimes at least to a certain extent are more gracious and and better at being like friends and more forgiving yes, and i mean that's obviously not 100 percent true 100 right, right, of the time obviously but, but it, um, it also yeah. makes for a good story so there's that yeah oh obviously <laughs> uh and then yeah but you're right the the third act is really just kind of the payoff act but i don't think like it's not like everything's cleanly perfectly wrapped up in a bow she still lives there yeah and she's starting true. to have friends her, and stuff it's not you like know? Uh, it's not like the her ghost sister's not her sister. yeah her yeah her sister's not cured or anything like that although like i'll be honest with you a little part of me was worried that her sister was not going to be alive at the end of the book i also thought about that i'm like dang is this the book to do that in and i was like i don't know if i'm ready for this i don't know if i can handle this i don't know if i'm i'm ready to cry reading this book that was intended for my children to read I definitely think that this book was intended to have like a poignant helping uh, like helping outlook on on sort of sickness and um and death I guess um but I don't think it was intended to be like it it wasn't intended to be I kill giants you know what I mean like it wasn't it wasn't going to like throw that in your face and be like here deal with this yeah um, it wasn't intended to like confront deep trauma right but it touches on it in sort of a way that like if a kid read this then they would be like, hey, I read about this thing in this book. Uh, I, like, maybe they want to learn more about it or ask their parents about it. Or, you know, if one of their friends is sick, they might want to, you know, be nicer or ask about, their, ask about their friend's sickness, that kind of thing. Like sort of more like awareness. Yeah, an awareness and like having an understanding of like, wow, there's people who just deal with this all the time, like for mm-hmm. their whole lives. That's true. You know, because it's kind of, because then that's why I like that the book is, like it's just sort of ever present in the book and the book just sort of deals with it the way that it would be dealt with because the the you know the the truth of the matter is like there's some people just have some something like that that they have to deal with every day for their whole life and so and and like you and I know that cuz we're adults and we've met people but not but kids don't right and it's going it's a hard concept to sort of get across so i mean this does a really good job of sort of conveying that um, I, I feel like for a book called Ghosts, like the ghost element was there a lot, but I don't know, like it, it didn't feel like a, it didn't feel like ghosts were a main part of the story, but maybe they shouldn't have been. Maybe I'm overthinking the whole ghost thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> part of me wonder if it would have had a different title if all of the Raina Telgemeier books weren't one word titled books. <laughs> like if she like went off brand for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like, she's got Smile and Sisters and Guts. That's that series. And then she's also written Drama and Ghosts. So, like, part of me thinks, like, well, what if, what if you had called it something else? <laughs> like what, though? Like, but, I, but I can't, I don't know. I, 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 don't, got, I don't got an answer. I don't know, like, like uh, uh, The Mission on the Hill or... Yeah. Like, honestly, you could call this one Sisters for all it matters. Yeah, um, or call it, you know... Katrina. Yeah, I can call it Katrina. Katrina's like, yeah, you could do that. It, it sort of focuses the story more on her, but she is the main character, and everything does revolve specifically around her. She's the 
the focal point. Yeah. Well, and then there's the the like character the the La La Catrina the yeah. the Calavera, uh, which I was reading a an Atlas Obscura article about today. Oh, really? It's a thing. I thought it was just like a. Well, yeah, it's totally a thing. Like it's in Coco. It's in um all of the other what is it Book of the Dead? All of the different or the Book of Life is that that movie? All of the other sort of like Dia de los Muertos CG animated movies. Um, but it's also, it's like a thing like the Calaveras that a lot of the drawings that you see, even, even drawings in this book are based on, are based on basically this one guy's work in the 1860s. Um, and he, he kind of like died in obscurity. Um, but now it's basically just everywhere, you know, and he's, he's influenced, you know, Tons of generations of art of of this art. Uh, I'm looking up his name right now, trying to like <laughs> delay. Yeah, Here it delay, is. Delay, um, delay. His name was his name was Jose Guadalupe Posada, um, and he he like started drawing the skeletons, including the Calavera Katrina, in um like to make fun of other like the like as political cartoons. Oh, interesting. And then, um, yeah, so in the 18... He was born in 1852. By the 1880s, he was working as an illustrator. Uh, he died in 1913. Okay. okay. So, but it, it's kind of cool. It's because, like, that is, you know, it, for our intents and purposes from us as two non-Mexican dudes, <laughs> um, like, that is how everybody sees those sort of like joyful skeleton characters. I thought that I, and I think that like this book could have made the ghosts real spooky or it could have made them really like differently cartoony. But I appreciate that. Um, it sort of draws from that sort of like Mexican art tradition for Dia de los Muertos. Um, but also, but, and then, and then when they're not doing that, the, the other, the other, the sort of like just amorphous, shapeless, spooky ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like those. They're because they're they're just they're not like you know like Charlie Brown in a sheet. Right. They're not like Casper, but they're it's it's sort of like okay, it's kind of cute, but it's also like kind of weird. I like it. I like it at the very least because I forget exactly what I was reading the other day. It might have just been some meme, but it was talking about how. The uh, for some reason every ghost is dressed up in like Victorian garb, like you know, like every single ghost is always this like Victorian person, a, a ghost from two thousand three. That's like it's Britney, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've seen that meme. <laughs> it's a good meme. Um, like why don't we have modern ghosts? So this one like is like oh look at all these people from different. Essentially, they were saying like look at all these people from different time periods, and like some of them had like manifestations you could see one was a pirate and one was a, a dancer and one was a musician or whatever you gotta have a pirate um but <laughs> but most of them were just like skeletons like oh that's a good way to just do generic ghosts you know like oh they're wispy things until they sort of uh are sympathetic to your mortal vibrations and then they manifest themselves yeah and they manifest themselves as skeletons exactly spooky scary skeletons <laughs> okay let's not get sued <laughs> all right um, pretty sure it's public so point. since we're sort of segueing on it what'd you think about the art um i mean it's definitely uh rain my art <laughs> like she has like she has a very flowy cartoony style that like doesn't really need to worry about shading or you know uh, uh limited color palettes or cross hatching or anything like that um it's just hard black lines with some color in it and the people don't really have joints. They just sort of like wobble in the way they need to wobble. Um, and it's, it's adorable. It's good. It's very, it's very like early 2000s webcomic, but also very like Sunday morning, like cartoon strip, like Foxtrot or uh, Heathcliff or something along those lines. Yeah. I think that there's less, cause there's, there's a certain amount of like, like newspaper comics that are like a hundred percent on model where the characters like don't have any sort of stretch or squash or, like dynamicism in their movements and this one does so and i feel like the characters are more dynamic than that yeah you know it's I, funny you know that smile started as a web comic 
Oh, yeah, I do remember you telling me that. So did, um, you know what kind of reminds me of is Giant Days, too. Yeah, I could see that. Which, well, like, yeah, that, and that, that also started as, uh, I mean, John Allison, geez, that guy's like the Wood Comics' grandfather. Yeah, well, I mean, how many of those are there? There's a ton. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but he's, he's, one of the, he's one of the ones who stayed around the longest, like him and Ryan North. And, yeah, that's true. At least in terms of like being involved in the comics industry. Um, I will say that uh, it's not like I'm not trying to say that the art is bad. I'm just saying it's simple, but that that's what makes it really good, because especially like some of those landscapes, um, and some of the action shots. Like there's this one shot on a page where she's running away from the camera, and like just the ability to to sort of create simple house shapes lining the street, and uh, and just a real good angle of you know uh, the character going away from camera with this nice like line of action that sort of curls around. Um, sort of fisheye style like and it's done very very simply and i love that um the sort of uh shadowy silhouette-esque um coastline um both the water the cliffs and like the boardwalk were really really cool um and the whole world feels um cohesive like it, it feels like uh like the characters belong in that world it's not like man the backgrounds are really really detailed and uh, and the characters are very much not or like uh, off model or something like that, um, because even if they were off model, it wouldn't matter because everything's just simple shapes for the most part. I'm looking I'm looking at it now. I feel like the colors are, uh, and the colorist was uh, Braden Lamb, who is also the guy who worked on uh, him and Shelley Paraline, who's actually his coloring assistant. They were the ones who started drawing the Adventure Time book. Oh wow! When Adventure Time first started coming out. And like suddenly exploded, um, but but at this point, which was right as that was starting, which sounds unbelievable that that was that long ago. Uh, but yeah, they're the they're that's the colorist Braden Lamb. But the colors feel really earth tony. Like it's not muted necessarily, though. There's definitely parts that are very muted, but there's still like some really vibrant like reds and yellows. But it it like. The best that's the best I got is is that all the colors feel very naturalistic. You yeah, know? they do. I think that uh, trying to convey the like the fog of the area and then like the sort of ectoplasmic, <laughs> you know, uh, ectoplasmic fog of the of the of the ghost spirits and um, sort of like the feel of a of a Halloween night. Um, all of that stuff is 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 right on. Like the the colors are great. Like the colors are are super spot on. They just don't deal with like a lot of intricate undertones or or shading or anything like that. Sure, yeah, you get like one layer of shading at most for most of the time. But also, there's not like there's not like neon oranges or electric blues or anything. Everything feels feels very earthy. Feels very, I don't know, grounded. I guess. I'm wondering if I had more time to like go through this and double check everything to see if there was some sort of. Uh, pattern in the way the color is used because I'm looking through it and certain sections are color palette specific like when she's in the um in the room with Maya when she's on the respirator and uh, everything's purple like there's eight kinds of purple and there's then, a lot of this book has a lot of purple it is a lot of purple purple you seems to be color. an ongoing color for sure yeah um but yeah like everybody wears different outfits and stuff and it's all sort of just like jeans and a sweatshirt it's not like I mean, you can tell what everybody's wearing. Yeah, um, I kind of like that. It it feels like, like the characters aren't like totally over designed with like three layers of shirts and stuff. It's just like this is just looks like stuff that kids wear. Yeah, we don't need extra zippers in this one. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's got bonus pouches or buckles. Yeah, no giant ray guns. <laughs> um. But everybody, the, the cool thing about this, this um, art style is always, in my opinion, the fact that you can you never have to worry about, like, same face. Like, you can get away from that so easily by, like, just give this guy a giant nose. And, like, now this person has crazy hair. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love cartoony faces and stuff. I feel like it's easier to do expressions to a certain extent. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, uh, like, emotion and expression just becomes infinitely easier at that point uh i mean and there's that's that's why i think that's why it's good to do that and that's sometimes why like even in in really mainstream books where they're like everybody like i'm thinking about star wars where 
like so many of the characters are the the faces are based on actors and there's the difference between like the way Salvador La Roca did Star Wars and the way like Joe Quinones does Star Wars mm-hmm. because one of them Salvador La Roca it's like this is exactly a picture of Mark Hamill mm-hmm. making this face and then Joe Quinones it's like I can tell that that's supposed to be Mark Hamill as Luke but like it's a he's it's a cartoon version but it's not a caricature or it's like just pushed enough to be like a cartoony caricature that you're like oh, yeah that's recognizable but also like this is a comic book <laughs> yeah i uh i get that and and so yeah i i think it's good the way this book kind of pushes it even further because it really gets you right at the heart of the emotion which is i think more in person more important than being like oh this character looks exactly like this actor and i i get that and i think it also kind of lends itself more towards kids and it's not necessarily a bad thing but it does i mean when you look at this book as an adult you're like well you know doesn't it, it, that looks like a kid's art style like an art style for children to enjoy I'm, i was just thinking about that like while you're while you're talking about like the way that you can push a realistic portrait to make it more cartoony and more comics like um but still end up with uh with something that seems you know more realistic and that's like what draw adults to comics is is the realism of it or like the skill level like i i want you to impress me with this thing that i'm looking at um whereas for kids it doesn't really matter as long as it's pretty colors and you know slap bang boom um but to take you know the the pretty colors and and the sort of kid oriented artwork and then throw something you know really emotional and heartfelt on top of it and make the reading appropriate and and sort of engaging for adults like that's really cool and something that is one of those things that I think comics don't get a lot of respect for, right? Because we always talk about, you know, comics is a medium, not a, not a art, right? Comics is an art form, uh, but is also a medium to tell different kinds of stories. It's not a genre. I think that's what I was looking for. Yeah, comics is not a genre. So is it? Is comics a genre? I guess it is. I don't know. Comics is not a genre. It's a medium. Because we read a ton of different genres of comics on the show. You. Yeah, you're right. I'm getting my definitions. I, I love science fiction. I'm not as crazy about superhero stories, um, and and I like uh, sort of like magical realism like this. This is good. Like it's it's just fun. It's um it's fun with like a little bit of that heartstring pull. It definitely like follows those Disney sort of cornerstones as far as. This is adorable. This is uh, great. This makes me feel good. Oh, no. What happened? Why? <laughs> and then, oh, I feel good now. You know, it's funny because, like, it's very easy to point at this book and be like, oh, yeah, it's like Coco. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, they're both, they both deal deal with those portals. And also, but, like, you're right. There is that, like, sort of Disney Pixar ability to, like, make this very kid-friendly and approachable, but at the same time sort of deal with actual heavy things. Right. Which I think, and, and I mean, say what you will about you know, Disney movies, but I think Pixar at least has been very successful at doing that. Um, I thought for sure because there was that whole thing about her grandmother visiting on Dia de los Martos, and then she finds that old lady ghost and it turns out not to be her grand grandmother. I'm like, oh, I mean, good on you for... for go in the opposite direction of that you know yeah i was like i was expecting it to be your grandmother and when it wasn't i was just like oh yeah oh okay i i kind of like i appreciate that like it didn't that was that was kind of what i was hinting at when i said earlier like it doesn't tie everything up perfectly in a bow right. it doesn't feel like it It doesn't talk down to you in that way which yeah is it's nice. not like oh we've mentioned the grandma and how the mom never had a good relationship so we're gonna fix the mom's relationship with the grandma too Chekhov's grandmother yeah but i mean but at the same time like it's it's there's this weird black cat and then like poof there's a there's a feast on the table right i i liked like i'm like okay like it it just sort of hints at it it gives you something but it doesn't give you the whole story it leaves like a lot to your imagination that also goes back into my whole like why don't the parents know about the ghost thing you know it's like well yeah like if i was a parent and i had fallen asleep on the couch watching a scary movie while my daughter was at a party which i wouldn't do i would be freaking out the whole time um but and then the like there was some weird cat in my kitchen and then all of a sudden my kitchen was full of delicious mexican food i would lose my mind i'd be like this is the best cat ever <laughs> quick like, open up a corner store let's go cat can you make double doubles 
<laughs> I'm really craving some double back. Cat, please. <laughs> Cat, please. Um, I, this is a weird one to talk about, but um, my wife was, was giving me a hard time about it. This book is very, very Californian. It is. Like, it's almost exclusively Californian. Like, you, yeah. could, you could do a, a Californian sketch based on this book. <laughs> Just <laughs> take the doing five here, Stuart? to the 101. <laughs> The, There's ghosts here. Yeah, but um, but uh, like not just the in and out uh reference at the very beginning, but I I also really liked the like mixed family and that the dad is clearly the dad reminded me a lot of you. He's just like I was like oh it's like Alan, and then he's like oh yeah I met I met our neighbor at the record store, and I'm like oh you hipster, you, <laughs> you trash. That's what um, I thought because I, I was. But I right. also was like, this is what would happen to me. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Because that's what I saw you in that part when you're like, I met him in the record store. I'm like, oh, that's like Ryan. Um, but it, that's what threw me off a little bit because I'm like, oh, this is a Rain and Tells You Meyer book. It must be an autobio. But then, like, the dad was wearing Converse and a hoodie. I'm like, oh, that's what millennials wear. I'm like, wait, what's happening? Rain uh, Tells is a millennial. She's our age. Right now. But her, so if this was an autobio and she was the kid, that wouldn't be her dad. Oh, uh, that's fair. So that's kind of threw me off a little bit. But yeah, it's good that because <laughs> he just looks like somebody that would live in Southern California. Um, also the fact that it's cold up there. So like the, the boy, the local boy, uh, his name, I want to say Carlos, um, uh, is wearing flannel. Yeah. He's just got like a long sleeve and some jeans. He's totally fine. Like he's used to it. And then like the Southern California kids are freezing. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It is Carlos. Um, yeah, I, I thought that that was good. And then also, um, like when she meets that girl at school, who's like with the lip gloss and she's got her hair like in a pomp. And she's like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Irvington. I'm like, is she from Irvine? Like, is that, is that what that is? Is she, is she from OC? That's what I was wondering also, but I don't know geography well enough to say Irvington isn't also a city like near Sunnydale or something. Uh, I don't know. All the other cities that are referenced are like just slightly off. I'm going to, that's, that's my headcanon. My headcanon is that she's an OC princess. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, who else wears <laughs> that hairstyle? <laughs> my wife does. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> yeah, my wife is totally an OC princess. She also um, an Avril Lavigne. I mean, I guess we all were at one point. No, she's a No Doubt fan. Come on. Oh, also, yes. You're welcome for finding that ska pun, by the way. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, uh, I don't. What uh, do you have any? Do you have any final thoughts about about this book? Um, I think it's a. I think it's a really, really good book. Um, I was actually curious. You said uh, your kids read it. So did Bella read it? Yeah, Bella and Zeke have both read it. Zeke actually read. Like the other week, I came home because uh, I'd have been on a trip, and Zeke just had a stack of Randy Telgemeier books next to him, and he's eight, and he just like over the period of a week read every Randy Telgemeier book we had nice. in the whole house, and just like one right after the other. And I was like, "Hey, did you?" Because he's supposed to like read for school. Yeah. I was like, "Did you do reading logs on this?" He's all, "Oh no." I was like, "Should you have?" He's like, "Nah." <laughs> he's clearly got your sense of ambition. He's like, no, Dad. I just, I just read these for fun. These weren't like for school. No, but you, okay, right, that's fine. I, I was like, buddy, it can be both. And he's like, <laughs> no, Dad, this isn't for school reading. I'm like, okay, okay, never mind. I'm not gonna argue with you about this. You don't understand. It can't be for school. It's fun. They'll figure it out eventually. They'll figure it out. I do remember. I think did we all go through that that phase where like, from like, as soon as you learn to read, like let's say fourth grade you learn to like really read in like fourth grade right uh no i mean no he's third grade so okay well in that range depending yeah, i guess second third if grade if that's when you start getting into chapter books yeah but then like you just start reading like reading becomes like a big thing and you just start reading and reading and reading and then at some point you develop you develop a social life and then you don't read anymore and then like you get older and you start reading again exactly because you're like dang i should have kept reading because i could be smarter by now but I'm going to try to make up for it. I, I, Does reading... I don't know, man. I, maybe I read the wrong... I just read, like, fantasy and science fiction. No, maybe, I'm not I mean, getting smarter. Everybody else I know is like, oh, did you read the new Malcolm Gladwell book? I'm like, no. But I read this series called Book of the New Sun about a future post-apocalyptic Earth, but written like a science, like a fantasy book. And he was like, uh, okay, that sounds... Okay, great. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Good talk. I don't even I don't even read. I just play JRPGs and let forty hour stories tell me the thing on their own. You read comics. And I'll read the subtitles. Comics is reading. No, I know. But I need Actually, to read more. Actually there's a there's a lot of there there are definitely it's funny speaking of 
like kids reading and rated Telgemeier and stuff, there are a lot of, there are some teachers, especially like older school teachers who don't consider comics to be reading and they, and like, not just that, but like if kids are reading comics, they're like, oh, they're lazy. They're not like actually reading actual, you know, books. Are these people you've actually encountered? Uh, yeah. Okay. And then I've seen there's people online and stuff. Well, obviously the internet. But... but yeah, but but no, it's it's definitely like it's funny. There's like this generational movement, especially I'm part of an internet community that tends to have a lot of librarians in it for some weird reason. But like sometimes people will be like, oh well, you know, that's not like like a real book. And everybody's like, reading is reading, reading comic books is reading. That mm. it doesn't matter. Just because you can't read. Just because there's no comic book about Kant doesn't, I mean, I know there is, but let's just say like, right? it doesn't, you know. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're trying to encourage kids to just read, then don't say like, oh, well, you can't read that because it's comic. Like, Ugh. stuff. All right. Well, I think we all agree that we hate those people. Um, yeah. I think you were asking me a question about did Bella read this? Yeah, did she? Yeah. Yeah, both of my kids have. All right, well. Did yeah, they, they did liked they it. enjoy it or is it yeah, I mean, is it like did Bella go like I learned something? Or is it just like, oh, it's a good book? I don't know if it's their favorite Raina Telgemeier book. Okay. I don't I know Zeke get right that. now is much more into Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes. Well, I mean Which I mean, it? who could who could blame him? Um But uh they both read the the Nancy treasury that I got. Oh. Um But yeah, no, they both liked it. It's I I think it's it's sort of like it's not smile, right? In the sense that it's it's a little it's I don't know I don't want to say it's a lesser Raina Telgemeier book. No, no, it's just a different kind of story. Because I think she's fantastic. It's just like a different kind of story. Yeah, it's not one that you come away with. I, I don't know. It's life affirming, but it's kind of like a oh well, yeah. That, that's kind of this would definitely be a book I would get from the Scholastic Book Fair. Yeah, the, it, I mean. Scholastic is the publisher of this I know. book. I just meant that, like, you would get it at the book fair because you saw it on the rack with all the other Scholastic books, like next to Percy Jackson or something. And you're like, oh, I'm going to get this and a couple dinosaur pencil toppers. I don't know how many, I don't know how many dinosaur pencil toppers I bought from the Scholastic book fair, but I probably could have bought, you know, an actual book with all that money. They're still at that racket. It's so good. It's the best. Come on. It's so oh, I mean, yeah, I can't argue with it. I'm like, oh, it's, that's a pretty cool pencil topper you got hey, there. Hey, uh, if you see a copy of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I was trying to come up with something put in there, like you're just asking your kids to bring you books home <laughs> so you don't have to go get them yourself. I have. I like. It was funny because I remember one time like we brought the thing home and Rose is like, oh, there's, there's comics in here. And Belle's like, yeah, mom, we have all of these already. <laughs> and she's like, you have all of these? And she's like, yeah, dad, I'm, dad got them for me. And she looks at me and I'm like, I buy comics. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. We budgeted this. Um, so it's I guess... just the physical space that comics take up, especially like graphic novels and stuff, is That's what I have. a not insignificant problem. This thing right here that I'm yeah, pointing no. to, that if you're listening to this, you can't see, but I'm framed. He's pointing to like an I, IKEA shelf. If I was a, if I was a Twitch carried. streamer, this would be a dope background right here. I got my, my not Marvel. Mine. My garage uh, is a nightmare. Yeah, Marvel posters with my comic book shelf in the background. I have like clean clothes hanging on a clothesline. I mean, it's very industrial. All right, let's get out of here. Um, so Ghosts by Raina Telgemeier. Yes. Uh, worth reading. Would you say you should read this, Alan? I definitely think you should read this, Ryan. Oh, well, good to hear. <laughs> um, I I agree. You should read this. Maybe uh, one day we'll come across the book where he's saying, hey, you shouldn't read this. I, I, don't th- I, think, I think in that case, we just won't do an episode. <laughs> or we'll like cram another episode and be like, we're pushing this episode back because we decided this book sucks. <laughs> uh, so how can people find you on the internet, Alan? Uh, you can find me mostly at Marginally Talented, M-A-R-G-I-N-A-L-L-Y Talented. I had to spell the whole thing because that's my Instagram account uh, that now you can actually search on Twitter. I'm M-R-G-N-L-Y Talented. Um, I'm doing Inktober. Which yeah, means... tell me, what what's your uh, what's your what's your what's your doing? What's, uh, what's your deal? So so last year I did uh, I picked swords and I did I invented this sort of um, fantasy world. Every time I drew a new sword, I came up with a backstory for it. It sort of turned into this thing called the King's War, um, where uh, five different kingdoms inhabiting this one continent uh, essentially had a uh, a world war almost, but except it's one continent 
Um, and so each of the story, uh, each of the swords had like a story that uh, that built into that. Um, so like this sword was from this kingdom, this sword was from this tribe, and blah blah. blah. So this uh, this year I decided to do the same thing because it was a lot of fun. Except I'm doing um, deities of each of the kingdoms. So um, I'm just doing a symbol for the deity and then a short backstory, um, I'm making it look a little prettier this time. Uh, and yeah, so I'm just rolling those out one day at a time. And uh, so far it's working out. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. It's pretty neat. I've been enjoying them. I've been enjoying reading your little backstories or weird poems or whatever. Yeah, the, the poems are the weird, but I didn't expect to do that. And then I'm just like, how do I make this creepy? Oh, I'll make it rhyme. Yeah, it's effective. What about you? Where, where can people find you? And what do you do? Uh, I'm on the internet as Ryan Roop, R-Y-A-N-R-U-P-P-E, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I talk a lot about music on Twitter and comics. And on Instagram, I post food, mostly, and music, and pictures of my children. Which is makes sense to me. That sounds like all the things that you do. Yeah, that's 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 it. That's that's this that's my life. Okay. There it is. All right. Well, this was fun. Um, we still don't know what we're gonna read next time. I think we'll try to figure that out beforehand at some point so we can tell people. You, um, the listener, will find out when the new episode gets posted. We'll let you uh, know. You can you can follow might. the show online, YSRT Comics on Twitter. You should read this comics on Instagram. Uh, like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave us notes on iTunes and yeah, give, Spotify give and all the places you can review a podcast. Please do it. We all would right. love that. And we still don't have a sign off, so let's just do a ghost on three, and that'll be our sign off. Okay. One, two, three. Ghost. All right, that's fine. That that'll was do. terrible. Okay. All right. Bye. 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 Thank you.